It is March 2nd, 1944. We are at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, California. It's our first year um, doing this with an audience. Very, very exciting. Um, The Academy Awards 16th annual honoring the film's 1943. And it's time for the big award of the night. The envelope, please. The winner is Casablanca. Duh. Duh. I mean, like, what the <laughs> hell else was going to win? Obviously, it's Casablanca. I cannot believe anything was... I mean, like, <laughs> there shouldn't have been other nominees this year. It's just like, how do you stand a chance? No kidding. Uh, uh, welcome back, everybody. We got Sam and Rands here. I just introduced you for you. How was that? I'm offended. <laughs> and uh, I'll never trust we'll you talk again. about it later. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Anywho, uh, here we go. 1943. This was a big movie. A big movie for like war films now again. We talked about a lot about the war movies uh, with 1942 in last week's episode, but here we're seeing even more. It is really becoming the central theme of almost every Hollywood film. And obviously has a lot to do with the main movie uh, that we'll be talking about. I will say an interesting little factoid about this movie. Uh, whenever you see Casablanca written out and you, you know, you see a movie and then the, excuse me, the year it was made is in parentheses afterwards, Casablanca almost uniformly, uniformly says 1942. Yes, it does. Uh, Casablanca premiered in 1942, but there is a rule in the Academy rule, in the Academy rule book that says that you have to play for a week solid in major theaters in New York and LA to qualify for that year's Academy Awards. Um, and that's why you see a lot of awards movies being released right at Christmas mm-hmm. to get that week of qualification in. And Casablanca premiered in 1942 but did not hit that qualifying run until January of 1943. So oh. they did, they were not eligible for the 1942 Oscars. Interesting. Yes. Well, there you go. It's kind of like a run over. Uh, wow, what a weird time to release the movie. Though. I guess maybe back then they weren't, you know, like Oscar campaigning, all that stuff was still very new. Well, there also was a, uh, a big, I forget the exact uh, incident, but there was a... Um, Casablanca was rushed into release to take advantage of the publicity from the Allied invasion of North Africa a few weeks earlier. Right, because there so, were leaders meeting in Casablanca discussing tactics. Is that correct? Yes, that yes. is that is correct. Um, at least according to Wikipedia, which I just quoted from. Hey, Wikipedia and, is it's it's factual. Everything is right. Everything is correct on <laughs> Wikipedia, um, and so that is the reason why Casablanca is in the 1943 Oscars. Uh, Very interesting. Which we'll get to that movie, but it should say something about the movie that it was released at the beginning of the year and it won the next year because I mean, huge. It hardly ever happens. Hardly I mean, ever happens. I can happens. think of a handful of films like Silence of the Lambs was a very early release. Um, uh, Sound of Music. Sound was of Music early release. Um, there are yeah a handful of movies that, and that's what we're going to get into a little bit later on too as like Oscar campaigning becomes more, more and I mean, more it starts to become thing. its own industry in itself. Yeah. Uh, like a film's release date now is, you know, so important to the success of the movie that especially when it comes to awards consideration that it's this would never happen today. Well, like uh, a good example of that right now uh, would be the movie Judy. 
mm. which premiered first at a couple of it's a small distributor um it premiered first at uh at tiff i believe film mm. festival uh in late august and then it went into a few theaters in mid-september and the next week it expanded and went into more theaters uh, because a small movie like that has to have a kind of platform release so that word of mouth can pick up Definitely. and everybody uh, and that's how they get people into it and that keeps the conversation rolling for the next few months whereas if a movie is a bigger budget release that's going from a major studio where the awareness of it is really high you can release it as late as December and still pick up a lot of nominations Absolutely. for the Oscars because um, you don't need those three months of build-up that a smaller movie needs. Yeah, and in some cases, even like just a week, like we saw a few years ago with the uh, American Sniper being released literally like the last weekend of December. I feel like it was like almost an early January release. Oh, yeah. The it, I think the wide release may have been after. I think you're right. Because, yeah. yeah, the actual cutoff date for like uh, inclusion to the ceremony is like the first week or so of January. Um, and American Sniper then received, you know, like what, seven or eight nominations and was only in theaters for like a day. And now we're seeing all these Netflix movies too, which are going to theaters for just a week just to mm -hmm. have Oscar contention. Uh, we can run down some of these Best Picture nominees, shall we? Um, yeah, and when we do that, we will get to some of our favorite uh, Best Actress nominees as well. Yes, we will. Because uh, that is what we love to talk about. We do. Um, for whom the bell tolls. Here we go. So this would be uh, Ingrid Bergman. Ernest uh, Hemingway. Yes, one of her, you know, her other starring film of the year. She's also in Casablanca. I haven't seen this movie, but a lot of times when people talk about this movie, they talk about how she should have been nominated for Casablanca instead. Which only makes sense to me. She's so wonderful. Which is probably how we get a makeup Oscar the next year. Correct. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, but it did win supporting actress for uh, Katina Paxina. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. Which her name. is an important win. Because uh, she um, was Greek, yeah. So it is a um, it's a foreigner winning an Oscar. Which anytime, anytime that happens is uh, it's it's rare to see someone who is not British or American to win the Oscar, especially in the early days. So yes, yeah, very impressive. Um, and then we have Having Can Wait, which I've seen. Yes, I feel like you've talked about this one too before. This I did. Come up, I talked about a... it last. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I talked about it because here comes Mr. Jordan. Yes, uh, was remade as Heaven Can Wait. There we go with Warren Beatty. But this is a different movie that has a completely different plot by Ernest Lubitsch, who's a great director. Um, Heaven Can Wait, though, is okay. I don't. <clears throat> I didn't love it. It has um, uh, oh, what's his name, who lived for a very long time, uh, uh, Don Amici. Uh, and right. Gene Tierney and Don Amici um, if you guys don't know who Don Amici is he would eventually win an Oscar for Cocoon mm -hmm. um, and he uh, made appearances into the uh, 90s so um, oh yeah he worked forever I mean also Trading Places mm -hmm. um, yeah he's, I feel like he's more known now in, uh, he's more known for his like Films in the later years of his career, I mean, because yes. he became a very good 
character actor as like an old man. You also know? voiced the character of Shadow in the live action film <sighs> Homeward Bound: The Which Incredible is, Journey. Yes. Oh <laughs> yes, thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Yeah, so this is Great his big starring film, and it's Technicolor, so it's really pretty. There you go. Um, but um, I just remember it being okay. The Human Comedy is something I haven't seen. I need to see. It's uh, yeah. Best Actor nomination for Mickey Rooney. Um, I've heard really good things about this movie. Fair enough. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, so at some point, um, in which we serve is British. British. Um, interestingly, it won that special Oscar the year before this. Oh. Um, but I bet you it didn't get its qualifying run. And Until the year later. We see that a lot with uh, quote-unquote foreign films, even though a movie coming from Great Britain doesn't seem foreign to us, but it, it technically is. it is. Um, um, but yeah, usually they will have a... Uh, what we'll be seeing in like the 50s and 60s is like they will have their foreign language film nomination mm-hmm. the year it came out across seas, and then when it yeah. gets American distribution, it'll be nominated, uh, if it does, in the Best Picture category. And sometimes that isn't, year. yeah, sometimes that is not the same year. That does happen, mm-hmm. something similar to that happens with, uh, it's like Day for Night or something, one yes. of those movies. You see a lot with, um, you see a lot more in like the directing category. Yes. Usually the foreign director will get a Best Director nomination the year after it came out, mm-hmm. because you, it, it takes a while for it to come across seas. Uh, but it will usually receive the foreign uh, film nomination the year before. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Madame Curie. All the ones I haven't seen are like right at the top. I'm about to get to some I have seen. Great. Um, Madame Curie. Uh, the Greer Garson vehicle. Greer Garson biopic. You've probably heard of Madame Curie. Mm-hmm. Radium. That's what you need to know about her. That's what she got. Um, I just uh, heard a story about radium on a different podcast. Ooh. That's all. Um, <laughs> all for now. TBD. The More the Merrier is a delightful... And this is a very high on my list of movies that I want to watch. I really want to see this. After I've gotten into... Um, Gene Arthur. Gene Arthur. Oh, yeah, I really want to see this God. movie. Charles Coburn wins Best Supporting for this. And I gotta say, like, as much as I'm gonna want to give it to Claude Rains again. I know! I was just thinking Charles that. Coburn, he's also kind of a lead in this movie, too, so it's a little... Right. Um, but he's so delightful in this oh, film. I love that. I the more the merrier is just such a great wartime romantic comedy. Um, does it okay? Does part of the plot have to do with war, or is it just, very much? Oh, it does. Okay, cool. Um, oh, because they're forced to live together, right? In the the, the house right? in DC. Because, uh, yes. Gene Arthur, Charles Coburn, and Joel McRae end up sharing an apartment together that is owned by Gene Arthur, but she's dividing it up for the war effort. Yes. Um, or it's rented by her, or whatever, and. Um, and she and Charles Coburn plots to have Joel McRae and Gene Arthur fall in love with each I love other. That. Also, Gene Arthur's like forty three or forty four in this movie, and she looks ten years younger. So good for her. We're even seeing now in the high comedy films of this of this decade. Yeah, still centered around World War Two. It just it impacted everything, and Hollywood was never the same. And this is George Stevens, who's a great director, <sighs> wonderful so. director. And you no, know, this is a crazy thing too. George Stevens was pretty much strictly a comedic director Mm -hmm. up until World War II because he was one of the final directors to travel over and uh, help with the war effort Um, and he stayed the longest and he was one of the few directors who was at the concentration camps when they liberated all the Jewish people and he said that he could never make a comedy film again because of what he saw 
and he comes back. It's all place in a place in the sun. I mean, like place in the sun. You see, yeah, all of his tragic movies. I mean, even Diary of Anne Frank, dealing directly I with. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, then his, with that. And then his son George Stevens Jr. ends up founding AFI. Isn't that and, crazy? I mean, so it's, it's wild to see what some of these directors, what their output was before World War II, and what it is after World mm-hmm. War II, which we're really going to be seeing in these next few years. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. So it's the More Merrier is a romantic comedy that is very directly influenced it deals with yes. the war um highly recommended <laughs> oxbow incident is uh it is not a movie that is dealing with world war ii but the themes and subject of the film which um sounds a like quick a, it sounds like a western it is a western hey uh this is the plot synopsis on uh, at the top of the Wikipedia page, two drifters are passing through a western town when news arrives that a local rancher has been murdered and has sto- cattle stolen. The townspeople, joined by the drifters, form a posse to catch the predators. They find three men in possession of the cattle and are determined to see justice done on the spot. So this entire story is basically about trial with trial without a jury. Oh. Um, and it has a tragic ending and it has uh, Henry Fonda um, as like voice of reason again as always, as always. <laughs> and um, it also has Dana Andrews who's in the best years of our yes, lives he's fantastic in that movie yeah um, and it has Jane Darwell oh, uh, wow. playing like a super who directed bu- this movie super butch woman it is uh uh, uh, William Wellman, who oh, did, wow. um, of course, uh, All Quiet, All Quiet. West, Western Front. Um, I and know did the original about the film. Stars Born. It is so good. Oh, interesting. I, okay, like, cool. I can't. It's only it's only seventy five minutes long. So my dream come true. <laughs> so uh, done. I should give that a watch. It, it's 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 really good. Amazing. Um, Song of Bernadette. Here we go. Uh, I feel like this movie is really a pot. I've I seen I saw this movie a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's very it's very religious. Um, but we we get Jennifer Jones in this movie, and she's she's good in this movie. I will say, was this her first movie? It is her. It was. It is her first movie. This is yes. where this is where David O. Selznick would soon become obsessed with her. Exactly, and that's what I'm yes. saying. She is clearly like the camera loves Jennifer Jones. Uh, especially um, in this movie, Jennifer Jones is is a good actress, um, and I think you can see why she won for this. It's a it's yes. a. I mean, the whole movie is about her. Yes, I mean, really. I mean, like you can't. It's it's very understandable, and she's a girl who believes that she sees a vision of the Virgin, the Virgin Mary. Mary. Yeah, yeah, um, and so, and it's definitely the kind of religious, hopeful film that you would see made during a wartime. Exactly. Um, and so, and she's like America's sweetheart, winning mm-hmm. Best Actress. Totally. Um, so I completely get why she won. I feel like if Ingrid Bergman was nominated for Casablanca, I'd be upset about it. But it's yes. hard to be when she's nominated for the wrong movie. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and Ingrid Bergman obviously gets her due three times over in the next couple decades uh yeah so it does also feel right that jennifer jones does have an oscar somewhere i get it this is uh, you know out of the other 
And she does end up having a very good career, even if much of that career was uh, David Selznick forcing her down people's throat. Exactly. Um, So, um, yeah, I agree with it. It's a a good movie. Not one of my favorite movies. Not anything I would return to watch again. Uh, But you know what we are going to watch on the... (laughs) I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. Watch on the ride. Watch on the ride. I have never seen this. Have you seen it? Uh, as a Betty Davis completist, yes. Oh, thank God for um, you. Betty you. Davis is in this movie. She's not in this movie a lot. She made this movie because she thought it was important. Okay. She wanted to lend her star power to it to help. What a martyr. Because um, this is a movie that deals very directly with the... Nazism. With Nazism. And once again, let me give you Because nice... he's a German, isn't he? He's a German anti-Nazi uh-huh. uh, like war helper. And this had been on the stage. Um, this has been right. a play on the stage. It was written it was by Lillian Lillian Hellman, who also did yes, uh, Children's Hour. I mean, and, all this. Little Foxes and Little Foxes. Um, uh, Children's Hour. Um, Love Children's Hour. Um, a German-born engineer, his American wife, and their children travel from Mexico to the United States to visit her family, but their plans are complicated by a Romanian count. Basically, there's Nazi infiltration happening, right. you know, and um, and. Uh, it's fine. True. It seems important because it's showcasing a German man in a positive light, in a positive anti-Nazi light. Yes. You know, and kind of complicating things where it's like, not all Germans are Nazis. You know, yes. not every German person is evil. Yes. And because of the, the anti-fascism message and because... Um, it, it also has the element where uh, you're dealing with home front again um, as people are, you know, and he's he's fighting against the Nazis and he has to go off at some point towards the end of the movie. Like, it's understandable. Yeah. It makes sense. And I would read too. And it, it is his movie. I can see why. I can see why it was important for him to win. Yes. I will say... Bogart is way more memorable. <laughs> there, it's it's so strange that this is where Bogart doesn't win his Oscar. Obviously, yes, um, it's very very strange. Betty Davis has one really great tiny speech in the movie. That's probably the best part of the movie. She talks about how she doesn't like being alone at night. Would you give her a supporting actress nomination? No. <laughs> it's not a very good movie. I'm sorry. It's just like not. Sure. It's important. I understand why where why it's nominated and what. It was doing at its time, but it's very stagey. Yeah. It does not play well. And I had read, too, like, when it came down to um, either Paul Lucas winning for Watch on the Rhine or um, Humphrey Bogart winning for Casablanca, it ended up going to Paul Lucas just because his character is more heroic. Because, I mean, let's, let's be real here. Rick is not a very likable guy. You know what I mean? Well, he's, he's complicated. He's very an ant- he's an- He's an anti-hero for exactly. a lot of the movie. Yes. Totally. You know, and we're not really in the generation of the Oscars rewarding anti-heroes mm-hmm. yet as frequently as they do now. No. Um, which is why it's like, oh, we're going to give it to Paul Lucas because he is someone that they could actually root for, you yeah. know? And um, that's, so yeah, in 1943, it makes sense. But obviously now looking back and we're seeing the two movies, uh, our present day and their performances, I mean, Humphrey Bogart as Rick is iconic and it solidified Humphrey Bogart's screen persona and it's you know it gives him the legendary status that he has today um 
Two things. Oh, yes. <laughs> One, I just realized that last week when we talked about Mrs. Miniver, we didn't mention that Greer Garson had the longest, longest speech in history. She sure did. Yeah. Pushing six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently the presenter was Joan Fontaine for, I guess at the time, the year before. Yes. Um, now they've switched it to where actresses. Yeah, actresses, yeah. actresses, yeah. But uh, she like backed up and sat down in a chair. because she... And fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I just realized we forgot to talk about that. But secondly, Fair. the Irving Thalberg Memorial Award this year went to Hal B. Wallace, who was a producer at the time at Warner Brothers. Yeah. And he was about to move to Paramount. But the reason he moved to Paramount is because of this Academy Award ceremony. Because... When he was the producer for Casablanca. Yeah. But when it was announced that Casablanca won Best Picture, who jumped up to accept the award? Oh, one of the Warners, I'm sure it was. Jack Warner. Jack Warner, yeah. <laughs> Jack Warner did it. And then oh. Halby Wallace left Warner Brothers. Wow. Because he thought that was his Oscar to receive. It is kind of a slap in the face. Yeah. So... I see that. I see his point. That is really shitty to do. But that, you know what? As... I, I don't know Jack Warner. I never met the man. But apparently. But apparently he seems a little narcissistic, a little egotistical. So it makes sense that he would make a move like this. Totally does. Was this uh, the first Warner Brothers Best Picture? Uh, this is the second. They won first? for one of our favorites, The Life of Emile Zola. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I remember why I forgot now. Oh, you're right. Yes. But, uh, I mean, should we just get into it? We should get into it. I love that Casablanca is a Warner Brothers movie, mainly because... maybe It feels just, like one. It does. But maybe yeah. it's just because Bogart's in it. Uh, but it feels very gangstery. You know? It, it Without has... being a gangster movie. Okay. First of all, if you yes. haven't seen Casablanca, like... Just... Just stop listening to this podcast. It's it's clearly the first thing you should have done when you woke up this morning. Yes. Uh, Casablanca, uh, which is literally on every best of list ever. Ever. um, Is, uh, it takes place in Casablanca um, at Rick's American Cafe. Yep. Uh, Rick is played by Humphrey Bogart. He runs this little uh, cafe that also is secretly a casino and secretly not so secretly a casino. Um, and, uh, there's an interesting cast of characters who go to this place all the time. Everybody comes to Rick's, as they say. And, um, one day, um, Ingrid Bergman and Paul Henreid walk through the door. Paul Henreid is a French resistance fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, and Casablanca, which is a neutral territory, they have to get out of so that he can continue his work. Ingrid Bergman's his wife, but she also happens to be the, the ex-flame of Humphrey Bogart that he has never gotten over. Yes. Oh, what a um, perfect setup. <laughs> and the oh, only so way good. they can get out are through the letters of transit. No one knows where they are except Humphrey Bogart, mm-hmm. Rick himself, mm-hmm. and they're hidden in the piano. In the for piano. most of the movie. For most of the movie. It is, <laughs> oh man, it's so good. I remember back when I was starting to get into like the Oscars and uh, classic movies when I was in high school, I remember obviously seeing this movie pop up on lists of the best of, you know, movies of all time over and over and over again. And I went and I bought it and I sat down and I watched it. And um, this is one of those classic movies that it is 
as good today as it was back in 1943. It, it just grabs you. It, does. it moves really well. It does. The flow is so good. It's funny. It's thrilling. It's romantic. It's patriotic. It's it it is like a really it's a wonderful example of what our studio system used to do back in this day. And like all of these people who are in this movie, uh, Ingrid Bergman was the only loan out. She was on loan from. Uh, she was on loan from David O. Selznick, who had mm. her under personal contract. Um, so she was loaned out to star in the movie. But uh, but Bogart, Claude Rains, uh, Sidney Greenstreet, who plays the owner of the Blue Parrot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The big guy. The big guy, um, who also is in the Maltese Falcon and, mm-hmm. and um, a bunch of other movies. Uh, and then Paul, uh, Peter Lorre, who is like the ultimate wonderful little creepy dude. So creepy. If you don't know him, you've seen him parody. He just kind of looks like a gecko. He does. You know? He does. He really does. And he sets the plot in motion. He has a small yes. part of this movie, but he really he big, sets the whole it's thing. It's a very important role. Um, and, uh, Dooley Wilson, uh, is the, um, the Sam, the piano player. Yes, and he, he plays faking, fakes the playing piano, but... He does fake it, and you know what's funny? Fakes it well. A line that everyone thinks exists in the movie, played again, Sam. Does not. Not actually ever said in the movie. Isn't no. funny? It's like... They say, play it, Sam. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. <laughs> That's his Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> that was my Ingrid impression. <laughs> you know what's... <laughs> What's interesting, I've seen this in a movie theater a couple of times, uh, including at the Chinese theater, Ooh. Um, before the renovation, when they still had the slope, That's lovely. Um, before the stadium, the slope seats, I don't know if you were in the Chinese theater before, no. um, but one thing that has never failed, Ingrid Bourbon does not enter the movie in a close-up, she entered, she just like walks through the door, and mm-hmm. it's like a, you know, a longer medium shot. Um, but every single time she walks, I've been in an audience and she walks in, people gasp because she's so pretty in this movie. She's beautiful. She's like luminously yeah. gorgeous. It's, it you is, know? it's crazy. All the flashback scenes to, um, her character's in romance Paris. with Humphrey Bogart in Paris. Yeah. It's crazy how beautiful she is and, and how well their chemistry works because Bogart doesn't really do a whole lot. No, in and you don't. Movie? You don't look at him and think romantic lead. No, but there's something about there is a good but he's give and take. sexy in this movie. Yes. You know, yes. as sexy as Humphrey Bogart can be, and yeah. he is. And I think it's just because he really is one of those characters where it's this uh, kind of brooding, angry man yeah. who has this history that we all want to know about. It's the mystery that he's carrying with him. And it's, that, it's that mystery that gets unveiled in pieces throughout this movie, which is where you come to appreciate his character. As we discussed earlier, he's the anti-hero. It's like that, um, I mean, like, right when we when we go into the flashback, it happens uh, when he's, like, alone in the bar late at mm-hmm. night, and Sam's just playing the piano, and he makes him play as time goes by. Yes. Because uh, he hates himself. <laughs> he just hates himself. But he's, like, clearly been crying, and he, like, so his, his eyes are watery, and he, like, is drinking, and and there's just, like, so much going on in his face, and it's just like, this is, this guy was a damn good actor. Yes, like this is the role. This is the Role he, ah oh man, you know it, it is upsetting because obviously looking back, it I mean is, he gets an Oscar, but he doesn't get the right Oscar. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get it for the right movie. Definitely not. The African um, Queen does not showcase his talent. 
No, and he takes away Marlon Brando's. Yes! Um, <laughs> I know. Oh, God, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Oh, man. Uh, which would have been our chance for a movie to have four wins in it the acting have. categories. Ah. Also should have won Best Picture. Yes, but, um, yep. <laughs> Did we wait, discuss later? 1951? 51, you bet. Oh, or A Place in the Sun. Like... Yes. Okay. What a what a big year. Uh are so great. We'll get we'll get there. But um this is a year where the Academy does get picture director so right. And screenplay. And screenplay. And mm-hmm. the screenplay is uh, the the dialogue in this movie is perfect. Perfect. I mean, this is one of the only movies to have I think this is the movie that has the most quotes in six. AFI's. Yeah, six of them. Do right? you want to should we try? I think should I know do, them all. Should we do them? Okay. Okay. What do you, Which ones do you know? No, I mean, obviously you, you go um, and then I'll go. Well, play it again, Sam. Play as time goes by. That is one of them. Here's looking at you, kid. Here's looking at you, kid. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. Uh, round up the usual suspects. Oh, right. Yes. Um. Oh. God. I can think of one more. What is it? We'll always have Paris. Duh. We'll always have Paris. And then the sixth one. Oh, it's the last line of the movie. This is being of a beautiful friendship. Yes, yes. yes, you're right. Oh, there they are. Wow. Which can we talk about Claude Rains? We should. Second? We have to mention Claude Rains. Um, he is wonderful in this movie. There, he is never. First of all, Claude Rains is never not good. <sighs> I always enjoy oh. him. He's such a fun little short. So good. Like, I don't know. Perfect, and he's so, um, like funny in this movie. He's he the, is. He is the comic relief, but he does end up playing a really important part yes. dramatically. Yes, and that's where it is. He, his comedy comes from all these very dramatic scenarios where he kind of like breaks the ice, but he does it by saying something that's so true. It's almost sarca- sarcasm, but it's not because he's being honest. You know, yes, it's, no, it's his wit. He's so witty. He has to close up um, Rick's cafe like two thirds of the way through the movie. He he closes up the cafe and he closes it up because I'm shocked. To find, to discover there's gambling in this yes! joint, and then someone walks up and gives him his winnings, and he's like, "Thank you." <laughs> that is so good. But it's like That's timing. What I'm saying it's like the comedy this movie does bring into it comes at just the perfect moments because there are also such high points of drama in this film. Like there's that iconic scene in the cafe where we have the German fight song being played, Ugh. which then you yes. know um, gets drowned out by the. Uh, by the French. The French. Their battle song. And it's just you're just seeing these two, you know, obviously countries at war with another just mm-hmm. fighting uh, in a neutral territory. And, and that's, this, that's how this movie works is it is set in a very, in a neutral um, city. But there's so much tension. This. Yes. And that's the Casablanca is set up as this city that's this point of, um, point of entry to like get on a plane and go to... Mm-hmm. Um, America eventually it's like they give you the whole roundabout plot yes. of how it works um, at the beginning but um, you see all these people who are there because they want to get out and mm-hmm. so everybody nobody except for Rick seems mm-hmm. to live there with any sort of contentment right nobody and, wants to be there and they're all trying to get to America mostly everyone there is stuck except for Rick because Rick is choosing to be there and so you have these people like they show there's a moment where they show like an old couple who is um, only speaking English now because they're about to go to America and they've gotten their they've gotten their um, papers their papers yes. so they're gonna get to go and you just get this small little moment with them 
Oh, and that reminds me of another character. His name is S.Z. Zakal, and they called him Cuddles. Oh. And he's the... And he's the... He's like the... Uh, I don't know, the cook or something at Rick's. He's oh, the, yes. And he sure. he has like a fun bumbling mm-hmm. personality. He's another great little side character. Like, yeah. this is such a well-fleshed out supporting cast where you have clear leads in the movie, but they're... But the movie works because there's this support. Yes, it is the sum them. of all of its parts. You know, whereas last, uh, last week we talked about <clears> this <throat> Miniver... It's a great movie, but it is, you know, very dependent upon Greer Garson's central performance. Casablanca has everybody, every, everybody's important to what they're bringing, and you know? And every element, like the the cinematography is beautiful. Beautiful. Um, it's like the best example of black and white cinematography. Yes. The close-ups in this movie are gorgeous. Mm, you just get that lovely old Hollywood filter where it just looks a little glossy. This movie's like glossy. I don't know. It's just like... And the tension between... The way that you see the tension between the close-ups like Humphrey Bogart and Edgar Bergman yes. looking at each other and there's all this unspoken stuff and you just want to know everything that happened between them. Yes. Honestly, um, there's not a second in this movie that isn't riveting. Every... How long is it? Do you have a runtime on there? Uh, I'm curious. I know it's under two hours. It is under two hours. It is um, one hour and... Brrrr, uh, what? 45? 42 minutes. 42. Oh, perfect. It's a perfect length. Perfect. And like... Uh, the score is great. The music. Um, That's what I'm saying. So like the okay. song, which almost didn't make it in. Correct. We do have from whom to Del- bells tolls to thank for this too. So they decided at the last minute they didn't like as time goes by, and they were going to reshoot it with a different song. Oh right. But Ingrid Bergman had cut her hair for From Whom the Bells Tolls. Oh sure, and they couldn't do the reshoots. They couldn't her. do the reshoots, and that's why right. we have supposedly. Well, that's, that's one of the greatest songs. Because Max Steiner didn't want to use it because it wasn't his song. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time goes by, I don't know if there's a movie, if there's a song that better describes movies to me. Yes. It is now one of the, you know, most recognizable movie songs. The Warner Brothers logo has it sampled. Oh, really? You know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes. They have the... Oh my gosh. Oh, it does. That's so wild. I never put that together. Wow. Yes. I, I can't not hear it now. Oh my God. Holy shit. Isn't that great? Wow. Well, my mind's been blown. Because... <laughs> wow. Because it is... And it was the great... I love how the entire movie, except for one scene, was shot inside the gates at Warner Brothers. Right. Well, then there's the Van Nuys Airport. Is that what you're getting at? Yes, and it's not in the scene people seem to think it is. Right, because the very ending, that was shot on... Inside of a soundstage. Yes. But there's... Uh, and for that, they used like a... Like it was like a, a... A miniature version of it. Like a miniature airplane. Yeah. And they put it in the far back to make it seem like it was much bigger than it actually was. And do was. you know what they got? Uh, they got little people... Right, they did. And you kind of notice in the background a few. Right, I did read that. But what what scene was actually shot at the Van Nuys Airport? There's a scene towards the beginning where I believe his name is uh, Major Strasser. Uh The guy who's the German major, or whatever his rank is, that comes to Casablanca and Claude Rains is trying to be buddy-buddy with him. Yep. He greets him at the airport. And it's daytime outside, which is probably why they shot it over there because it was daytime. Um, and he greets them, and they are at the Van Nuys airport. There you go. Other than that, 
every single scene is on the back lot or in a soundstage in Burbank. I love that. You know? I love that. That's so good. And it doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it was shot in a soundstage like a lot of classic Hollywood films do sometimes, you know? For some reason, it just feels stuffed with character. Right, and maybe even if it, in a moment, it does feel a little boxy like in a soundstage, you don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. No, and the but the Rick's set, the Rick's Cafe set too is just mm-hmm. is a great is great set design. Here's what's crazy to me though. I mean, being one of the greatest movies of all time, it only won three Oscars. Yeah, you know, isn't that wild? To it's you? it's interesting. Let's look at this list and like, what else would we give it? Like, I mean, else? actor, it should absolutely win Best Actor. Yes, I agree with that. If Ingrid Bergman had been nominated, I'd been okay with her winning Best Actress. Here. Right. And Claude Rains, I, I I mean, I think Claude Rains should have won uh, back in 39 for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So if he had won back then, I don't necessarily think he needed to win this year. Um, Charles Coburn, I think, as you stated earlier. I want you to watch it yes. and, and tell me whether or not you want Claude Rains or Charles Coburn. I, to win. Yeah, I believe you. So I'm not so upset about that. Uh-huh. Um, obviously direction screenplay was necessary cinematography oh they give it a song of Bernadette okay I (laughs) I, it's just like I don't know why Casablanca is so pretty I know like there's so many shadows and that's the list it looks like song of Bernadette kind of won a lot of the technical Oscars this year with cinematography art direction scoring uh, scoring I guess I guess as time goes by is like so much of the score so but no I please the song it's such a great score, it too. It is a great score. Um, this, yeah, I feel like this movie. I guess as time goes by, did did it not qualify as an original song? How is it not? No, it didn't because that guy you mentioned earlier, he had written this song for a different thing. Okay. So when they used in this movie, it wasn't original to the film. Okay, well, technicality. <laughs> technicality. Um, I mean, like, but even like film editing, I haven't seen Air Force, which won, but I mean, I wish it had been nominated for best art direction. I don't know why it's not there. Yes. Um, and editing, I'm like editing. I think it's good. You were you were talking about how the length of the movie. It's like yes. a perfect. Like yeah, no kidding. Like it's not overly long. It doesn't feel too short. It feels like it's the perfect length. And the editing is great too. When you're you're cutting in between flashbacks and. Uh, the present time, you know, all these, the great editing work that they're doing, it's great. And also, you know, to have great comedic timing in a dramatic film does require very tight editing. And it's flawless. To have humor in a dramatic film like this does. But they build up a lot of those characters through humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And gosh, like, Humphrey Bogart, his character is so layered. Like, um... Yes! Like, the way he helps, the way he helps that young couple... Yes, it's so sweet. You see the humanity in him before yes. he even sees it in himself. <laughs> and then, like, he spends all this time not being a patriot. Uh-huh. And then he... He fights very his end, own goodness. In the very so end. Yes. And then Claude Rains ends up... Becoming like, an ally for him. Becoming an ally with him. Mm-hmm. And that's where the round up the usual suspects lines comes And that's in. where we get Casablanca 2. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently there was a sequel. Was it really? Wait, like, it was actually filmed or it was in talks? No, in talks. Okay. Thank God. But they like, there was like a proposal for one. Thank God. Whatever. The great thing about this movie too is that it, was the, it wasn't supposed to be the greatest movie ever made. This movie was a very run-of-the-mill studio project. Mm-hmm. Um, that... The studio did not think, I mean, like, they were rushing it out. 
Because it was timely. Yes, exactly. Uh, they weren't thinking of it as like a huge awards contender. I mean, Humphrey Bogart wasn't the first choice. Nope. Ronald Coleman was talked about. Ronald Reagan was talked about. Ronald Reagan, yes. And also, like, because Humphrey Bogart, I mean, he had done Maltese Falcon. Um, He's and just becoming a leading man. What was the other one, too? Maltese Falcon and uh, uh, the other one that made him kind of a big player. High Sierra. Uh, High Sierra, thank you. Yes. Um, those, and along with this movie, really is what made him the Hollywood star he is. So he wasn't a humongous box office draw quite yet. No. As he was so after he was this movie. Like a bit of a Campbell. And... Mm-hmm. Same with Ingrid Bergman, too. She was, rel- I mean, she was relatively new. And this movie was shot uh, back-to-back um, on some of the same sets, even, mm-hmm. as Now Voyager. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, now Voyager and then this, which Now Voyager came out the year before, but uh, the train station is the same set. Uh, the There's a very iconic shot of Betty Davis walking alongside the train station, and it's like, yes, uh uh, that is the same train same train station from the Paris fa- flashback sequence. What in the Paris flashback? Yes, yes. where he uh, man doesn't see her. Oh yeah. And if you so think good. about like Paul Henry's in that movie, and yes. um, and so is Claude Rains. Yeah. Uh, so you have and that was the thing too. Paul Henry didn't Max want to Steiner. do this movie because he had just come off of Now Voyager, where he was this huge romantic lead. He didn't want to play second billing to. Yeah, Humphrey Bogart. Well, not you know. romantic lead, but like something like it. Well, something like it. Yeah, yeah. Right, yes. Um, but uh, but I mean, like, it's just like one of his all-time great parts, though. He's so good. In yes, this movie. he's so and good. He in this has movie. a character transformation. It's like yes. even he's comedic, and yet he has such interesting things to do. I mean, yes, I agree. Honestly, you guys, this this movie deserves the clout that it has. There is a reason why it is always listed as one of the greatest movies of all time because it is it simply is it's, it's timeless and there's perfect. there's i may i would something. even argue this may be the best movie ever made but yes I, yes I, I, there's something for everybody in this movie there really is you know um, anybody can enjoy this film and on that note it is it was one of the first movies selected for preservation by the national film registry yep it um Someone's trying to call me as I'm podcasting. Don't they know what I'm doing? Um, Casablanca cannot wait. It was named one of the 100 films of the last 80 years by Time Magazine. You bet it was. Um, It uh, is number 28 on Empire's 100 Movies of All Time list. That's really low. I was going to say, it seems a little low. Um, It has the greatest screenplay ever, according to the Writers Guild of America. Um, And the American Film Institute... Called it the second greatest movie in 1998, the third greatest in 2007. There you go. Yep. It switched it and Godfather um, in 2007, yep. which, uh, you, know, you know, debatable. We'll um, it was number 37 on their thrills list, which is interesting. Which is interesting, because like, it is kind of suspenseful. It, it does thrilling. have a lot of thrills. I wouldn't necessarily call it a thrilling movie, but the fact that it's still listed as one of them... And <laughs> there isn't... The last scene in the movie, there is not a greater last scene. Not at all. Which, it if is, you want to see a really good parody of that last scene... Watch SNL. <laughs> the SNL parody of Casablanca is amazing. It is great. Um, number four, Grace Hero, yep. on the AFI Heroes and Villains list, Rick Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, second greatest song, according to the American Film Institute's 100 Songs mm-hmm. list. We named the six quotes. We sure did. <laughs> uh, which number five is here. It's looking at you, kid. Pretty there high. And number 32 on 100 Cheers, 
their most inspirational movies. And number three, as we said, on the current uh, top 100 list. Gotcha. Um, There you go. I mean, what else can you say? It's, yeah, the pedigree of this movie is ridiculous. It's, it's, it should be watched by everyone. It's great. I think everyone will enjoy it. Please watch it. If you haven't. (laughs) I mean, here's looking at you, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, thanks. You're right. Here's looking at me. All right. All right. What are we getting into? Oh, here's here's where it's going to get fun. Next year, we finally kind of have a... We um, only, have, we only five have five nominees, nominees for, for Best, Best Picture. Picture. We're getting there. We're getting into <laughs> what the Oscars looked like for a very long time. We're going to stay with our wartime themes, and we're going we that way. We're going to go that way. With Going My Way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I haven't seen. I have not seen this movie. I um, have. I don't remember it very well, so I am looking forward to seeing it again and uh, seeing how I feel about it. It is another musical winner, so mm-hmm. that should be interesting. Um, but I also uh, know it beat out a movie called Double Indemnity, so I'm going to have very go. high expectations. Yes, me too. So we'll let you know what we think next week. Next week.